This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. Uh, yesterday was a good day for the Atlantic Coast Conference in baseball. We talked about two elimination games. One started at high noon in Louisville. Cards jumping on Michigan. Again, loser leave town. Move, winner moves on to the uh, Super Regionals. And uh, Louisville got started with a little seven spot in the first inning, and life was good. You're up 7-2. Life's cruising. Next thing you know, here come the Wolverines. They rally. They end up taking the lead against the Cards. It led 9-7. We got to the eighth inning, and then Cardinal baseball happened. Four runs, all with two outs. As a matter of fact, Cards scored 11 runs yesterday, all of them with two outs. That doesn't happen very often, but Louisville ends up winning the game 11-9. They punch their ticket. It is their ninth Super Regional. Coach Max got things going on. Louisville takes care of business. They will go on to hook up uh, against Texas A&M. Again, it was a 12 seed and a 5 seed. 11 of the top 16 seeds in the NCAA baseball tournament have moved on to the Super Regional. So yesterday, as I mentioned, two ACC teams in action. It started at high noon. Louisville rallies past Michigan. They win the game 11-9, all 11 runs with two outs. So Louisville feeling good about life, which is beautiful. And then last night in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, hooked up against VCU. And the Tar Heels, uh, much like what Louisville did, jumped out to an early lead and uh, put a four spot in the first inning and really never trailed. Chilled out, won the ball game 7-3. North Carolina gets their coach back after the ridiculous two-game suspension. North Carolina wins the game 7-3. and uh, that's the final against VCU to beat them twice, beat them the night before, beat them yesterday. And so North Carolina moves on to their uh, 10th Super Regional. So a really, really good day for the Atlantic Coast Conference. Two teams move on to the Super Regional. So if you're keeping score at home, we now get to the Super Regional portion of the NCAA baseball tournament. And uh, that will begin on Friday and Saturday around the country. But the ACC with four teams uh, of the 16 that are still remaining. And here are what the matchups look like. Virginia Tech is the number four overall seed. They waited and waited and waited. Oklahoma last night ends up knocking off Florida uh, in Gainesville, beat them by one. So Oklahoma is the number nine overall seed. They will play Virginia Tech, the four seed. And don't you know, that will be a tough ticket in Blacksburg. Hokies hosting a Super Regional for the very first time. They were one of five teams that swept their way through the regionals. So Oklahoma on the road taking on Virginia Tech. That's coming up this weekend. That's issue number one. Notre Dame, as we pointed out yesterday, swept their regional. They take care of business. They are not seeded. They should have been, but they were not. Still took care of business. Link Jarrett's guys move on to the Super Regional for the second consecutive year. And uh, they will take on the number one overall seed. That would be Tennessee. The Vols take care of business. They ended up rallying past Georgia Tech the night before. Eliminated the Jackets. Punched their ticket. Tennessee, the team to beat uh, from a, a regional standpoint, from a Super Regional standpoint, from a betting standpoint. They've been the number one team all season long. So Notre Dame will go to Knoxville to take on the Vols. That will be a huge challenge for the Irish. Uh, then, as I mentioned, Louisville, winner yesterday. They move on. They will be taking on Texas A&M. The Aggies, the number five overall seed. Louisville, the number 12 overall seed. That will be a great series, as I pointed out, uh, for Louisville. Their ninth Super Regional taking care of business. And then North Carolina, their 10th Super Regional. They will end up hosting Arkansas. Arkansas last night knocked off Oklahoma State in Stillwater 
And so the Hogs move on. So that's what it's going to look like as far as the four ACC teams moving on to the Super Regionals. Virginia Tech with Oklahoma. Notre Dame's got the number one seed with Tennessee. Louisville and uh, Texas A&M hook up in North Carolina and Arkansas. All that begins beginning on Friday and Saturday. And again, it's a best of three. Winners move on to Omaha. Now, I will say this, and I'm going to throw this question out to everybody, and we'll get Drew Carter on here at some point in time. We work out all the bugs. But the number for the show is 844-SAY-ACCN. I have mentioned this before on radio and other uh, platforms. In my opinion, my opinion, the NCAA baseball tournament, in my opinion, is the best NCAA tournament. Now, I know there's a lot of folks that totally disagree with that, and that's fine. Uh, If you've ever been to Omaha, you kind of know where I'm coming from. I think it is the purest form of entertainment that the NCAA still has. And I know they don't really have their hand in the cookie jar when it comes to the college football playoff. And again, football runs the show in this country. I get it. I'm not trying to convince you that baseball is more important than football. It's not as far as the general public. I'm talking about the NCAA run events. If you've been to Omaha, There is a purity to it. There is a sense that when you walk into the ballpark, you see families, you see dads, you see kids, you see people playing ball, you got tailgating going on. The city of Omaha does such a phenomenal job. Uh, And thank goodness the NCAA hasn't outthought themselves and said, hey, let's put this thing out for bid because it's become so popular. Omaha, to me, is kind of what Greensboro is to ACC men's basketball. There is just something about when you walk into Greensboro, it fits right. No knock on Charlotte or Washington, D.C. or Brooklyn or Atlanta or anybody else that's had a chance to host the ACC men's basketball tournament. There's some comfort about Greensboro. It's kind of like your favorite pair of jeans, right? It just always fits right no matter how you're feeling. That's how Omaha fits to me when it comes to college baseball. So I'm going to throw a question out today. And we'll get Drew Carter on here, like I said, later on. And we've got a thousand things to get into today, topic-wise. 844-SAY-ACCN is the number for the program. In your opinion, what is the best NCAA tournament? Now, we're sitting here in ACC country. Everybody will probably say, Pack, are you out of your mind? It's March Madness. It's the greatest tournament that's generated the most money. I get all that stuff. Right? You don't have to convince me on that routine. I get what the deal is, the multi-billion dollar media rights. I know about the magic of March Madness with our family and everything else. And anybody grew up watching college hoops, I get it. But the thing about March Madness, maybe this is the thing that you love, is the unpredictability that it's a one and done on every game. What I love about the baseball tournament is that you can have a bad day and yet still survive. It puts you... Back against the wall, kind of like what North Carolina went through, right? You got the terrible calls by the officials. Your 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 coach is thrown out of the game. He's now suspended for two games, which was crazy. But North Carolina, despite all of that, still had a chance to prove their worth. Back against the wall, they beat Georgia 6-5. They have to beat VCU twice. They do that. They still take care of business, and they move on. I like the fact that all of a sudden you take a snapshot of baseball. And you've got 11 of the top 16 seeds that have now moved on to the next round. Now, no disrespect to Miami, who was a sixth seed and didn't get the job done, or Oklahoma State last night, the seventh seed that lost to Arkansas. Uh, you had Florida, who lost at home to Oklahoma by a run last night, didn't get the job done. 
Uh, Maryland at home didn't get the job done losing to UConn. And, of course, Georgia Southern, who was the 16th seed, and they didn't get the job done in their regional either. So, uh, listen, the ball is in your court. Tag, you're it. Two out of three, to me, is always kind of a feels right. You know, hey, if this, if you've got a David Goliath routine, you may have one night where you're not great. The other guy gets you. But now you got the pressure to have to go win two. And I think you saw that, obviously, yesterday with all the, what, 10 games we had with a loser-leave-town match mentality. I like the way the college baseball tournament's set up. You get two out of three in the regional. Whoever moves on, you got it. You got the same thing coming up this weekend. Everything's on campus, which I love, too. That's the one thing, again, you start talking about March Madness, everything's at a neutral site. Some folks like that better. I like being on campus. I do. I think there's some there's a value to what your regular season's about that, hey, you put the resume together to hopefully own the right to have a chance to host a regional. If you're good enough, get a chance to host the Super Regional. Your fan base is, loves it. I, I love that whole atmosphere. So in fact, it's one of the things we're going to get into later in the show regarding the college football playoffs. And the expansion. One of the things that I did not like about the 12-team format with football was I always thought that the first round should be on college campuses, which they you know, they talked about. But I think the second round should be too. Can you imagine what that would look like in college football, which is still the number one sport, if all of that was on college campuses? To me, that's what makes it great. That's what separates Saturdays from Sundays, right, and for me. Now, a lot of folks may disagree with that, and that's why I'm going to throw this question out there for you at 844-SAY-ACCN. But in my opinion, the College World Series is the best NCAA tournament. It's the fairest, and you know what? You can get great scenes and great games, especially on these college campuses, and there is not a better venue to host a championship, in my opinion, than Omaha, Nebraska. Um and like I said, if you want a great steak, they got that. You want great baseball fans, they got that. Uh, the ballpark is large. It's spacious. It's not Rosenblatt, which had its quirks and all that nature. But the new ballpark is out of sight. So for anybody that's made the road trip to Omaha, you know what I'm talking about. There's a true purity to the game of baseball and what the city of Omaha does to make sure everybody feels good. So I'm going to throw that question on you. 844-SAY-ACCN is the number for the program. 844-SAY-ACCN. In my opinion, college baseball's got it right. Now, there are going to be some folks that say maybe the, uh, the Women's College World Series in Oklahoma City might trump all of it. Now, I'll be honest with you. I've never been to Oklahoma City for the Women's College World Series. They have done a brilliant job marketing it. Uh, from a television perspective, the two-hour window fits perfectly. The fan support has been out of sight. Kind of reminds me of what you see in Omaha. But I think it's kind of curious to see that both foot, that uh, baseball and softball taking place at the same time have that same kind of feel to it, right? Have the same kind of feel that, hey, Oklahoma City is to women's softball to what baseball is with Omaha, Nebraska. So tag your in on that. 844-SAY-ACCN is the call, is the number. I want to hear your calls on that. You can call us in, in Texas. You can do whatever you want. Social media, all that good stuff. We'll get in all that stuff. Now, we've got uh, a ton of topics to get into today. Uh, we'll go through in greater detail of how Louisville and North Carolina took care of business last night. Obviously, Virginia Tech and Notre Dame already locked and loaded. They're good to go for the College World Series, hopefully, if they can take care of business with the uh, uh, games coming up this weekend. We've got college football to get into today. Uh, there's already discussion about what we're going to do with the college football playoff. Now, you know that the alliance uh, basically put the Heisman pose on the vote, right? So there is conversation about whether or not 
what we can do between now and next summer and coming up with some kind of format with the college football playoff. My opinion, I think we'll get that job done. I don't think that's going to be an issue. I think it's just a timing issue. I think it's all about negotiation with your television partners. Uh, we'll get into that in greater detail. Uh, we are going to talk with uh, Lance Taylor, who is the um, football assistant coach at the University of Louisville. He comes from Notre Dame. And so we'll give you a little sprinkle of football today and touch base with Lance and see what's going on. Cameron Masterman uh, went yard in the eighth inning for Louisville yesterday. He will join us at the end of the program. And we kidded around, if you watched yesterday's show, the last segment of the program, there is a graduate from NC State that won the cheese contest, as we've called it now, out in England. If you've seen the video, she's Abby's going down the hill, going crazy, and people are breaking legs and toes and mud in her face and everything else, and they're chasing after a 20-pound thing of cheese. And I know you're thinking, what in the world are you talking about? It is such an offbeat story, but now that it's got an ACC flavor to it, because finally somebody from the Atlantic Coast Conference has won that crazy event, we're going to put Abby on the show next hour. All right, So all that's going to come up as well. So we'll take your phone calls. We'll find Drew Carter. Uh, West Durham's on the links doing all that good stuff. Again, Chester's sound asleep. Fuller's sound asleep. The boys are they're knocked out. They're still worn out after the two-week uh, vacation plan and doggy daycare and all that good stuff. So phone calls, 844-SAY-ACCN is the number. We'll find Drew Carter. We'll go through the greater breakdown of what Louisville did yesterday in their rally. 11 runs scored, all with two outs to knock off Michigan. North Carolina gets their coach back with Coach Forbes after the stupid suspension. Heels take care of business. Four teams in the ACC Super Regionals. All kinds of stuff coming your way. Again, your phone calls, 844-SAY-ACCN. What is your favorite NCAA tournament? I've already stated my case. To me, it's baseball. It's the best deal, even though the officiating in Chapel Hill stunk the other night. That happens in sports. But as far as the event goes, I don't think you can beat what takes place in Omaha. So all that's coming your way. Again, we'll find Drew Carter, see where we're going. It's Packer and Durham. Lucky number today is 641. You know where we're doing it. It's Packer and Durham right here on ACC Network. The Packer and Durham Podcast. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Packer and Durham, no Durham, but man, we did find Drew Carter. The smart people in Bristol have figured it out. Mr. Carter, what's going on? Hey, man, you look like Mark Packer. I am back. <laughs> back to meet that. It's a Pac-Man. Yeah, in case anyone wasn't watching yesterday, uh, Pac found some fans in a piazza in Florence. That was a good moment. You look like Mark Packer. <laughs> That's what the guy said. He goes, hey, man, you look like Mark Packer. It's amazing because that's exactly who I am. Guy's a big, he and his wife are big fans. What are you doing here? Same thing you are, my man. Watching one of the great uh, cities of, of, of the world walk by. So, first of all, let's get to a couple things knocked out with you. Uh, happy belated birthday. First thing's up for you, right? How are we doing? Thanks, Pat. Yeah, all good. Turned 25 yesterday. Uh, good news is I can still fit into my high school cross country gear. So, Oh, we got a little music from the folks in Bristol. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was fun. Birthday. Spent it in Bristol, Connecticut last night doing some cut-ins for NCAA baseball. Thank you to uh, Arkansas and Oklahoma State for ensuring that their game went four hours plus 
So we got uh, almost no sleep last night, but it was still a fun birthday. What is it? I mean, I hear it from Wes all the time. Now I got the dose from you. What is it about you play-by-play guys that you don't like long baseball games? The beauty of baseball, especially if you're an announcer, is that you can tell stories. You can talk. I mean, to me, it would be like the perfect case sport as opposed to if it's rapid fire and you've got to put your blinders on and all you're doing is going, you know, third and three, all right, first down. I mean, to me, baseball, there's a comfort of baseball that you could tell a story. So what do you not like about that? That's totally fair. And I also want to make sure the folks at home know the reason I wasn't on the first segment is not because I was asleep. I would have loved to be, but you're probably at home putting two and two together saying, oh, Drew's complaining about not getting any sleep last night. It was his birthday. He wasn't on the first segment. I'm sure he was just in bed for the opening 15. That's not right. I was dialed in, just had some technical difficulties, but thankfully we're good now. Uh, The problem pack with college baseball, and I really like it. I think you're onto something there with the best NCAA tournament. You know, overall, I like college baseball, but there's some stuff that is brutal to watch. You've got pitching changes after every pitch, it seems like, if you're doing an LSU game. Uh, You've got so many guys on the roster where coaches just, you know, they can have fun with it. Hey, it's like, you know, playing a game at a casino. Just let's try this one. Let's try this hand. Oh, yeah, we'll gamble on this guy. See if that works. If it doesn't, it's fine. We've got 18 more guys in the bullpen we can go to with a pitching change. So that's one reason it takes forever. Then you've got uh, weather delays where whoever makes the call on the weather delays has the itchiest trigger finger of anyone. They decide to delay something if they even see a cloud five miles away and then the worst part of it all pack is you got um shows man the um shows are absurd and because we're objective journalists i'll say this the acc benefited from one yesterday in that michigan louisville game uh, with a play at second base that extended the eighth inning which is eventually where louisville tied the game and took the lead but just some absolutely absurd calls reviews that take five minutes umpires who decide, hey, you know, I know a guy flipped a bat and stood at the plate for five minutes earlier in this game, but you play for East Carolina, you're at home, I'm actually going to push you down the first baseline only one second after the ball leaves your bat. Um, Stuff like that is pretty frustrating, I think, for for every sports fan, but especially baseball fans who just want to see fun games. Now, all that being said, all that complaining later, it is a great event. And uh, I did enjoy getting to cover it yesterday. Well, here's the one I would tell you, though. I think that if you're an announcer, the more controversy, the more you have the ability to, to, to get into a dialogue and have conversation. Like that call yesterday with Louisville, Michigan, I know this is the ACC Network, but I mean, I think if you're a Louisville fan, you're like, thank you very much. We'll take 10 or more of those somewhere down the road. <laughs> I mean, that happens. I mean, I thought the North Carolina Tar Heels got absolutely hosed by the officials the other night in Chapel Hill, but they still found a way to win. To me, that is what makes this tournament great. And I, again, we're going to take some phone calls here in a second at 844-ACCM, but I think the, the NCAA baseball tournament is the number one NCAA tournament that they conduct. I've never been to the wrestling tournament. I heard it's great. They do a great job with softball. Uh, we know about March Madness. You go through the whole list here. But to me, baseball is the one that at the end of the day, whoever's left standing in Omaha, you know what? You've earned it. I mean, you've, you know, you're going to have highs and lows. But at the end of the day, normally the best team wins the tournament. Yeah, I think so. But, you know, 
just to play devil's advocate, baseball is a sport that's mano a mano, and you need your best guy on the mound. And if you're playing your fourth game, fifth game in the last three days, depending on the round, I don't know that you're always going to end up with the best team winning at all. Not to say the event isn't great. I actually think that's an argument in favor of the event being great, is that the best team doesn't always win. That's what we see in March Madness, which is what I'm going to posit as the best NCAA tournament. Um, But I, I think, yeah, the best team probably doesn't always win, but I think that's why it's good. Like you take a look at trying to think one of the regionals like Stanford yesterday almost lost to Texas State Stanford second best team in the country by seeding they had won 16 in a row coming into the tournament if they had lost to Texas State at home at the sunken diamond I don't think anyone would have said hey the Bobcats are better than the Cardinal but it would have been super entertaining if you were still awake after the uh Oklahoma State Arkansas game to watch it that is I'll look at you throwing that little dagger in the end all right let me take a call or two here 844 <laughs> say ACCN is the number for the program I think I got Mac in North Carolina leading the way today Mac good morning how are you uh good how you doing Pat excellent what's going on say hello to Drew hey Drew how you doing uh happy birthday by the way so um yeah I was I was calling in because uh <laughs> Thank you. I've said exactly what you're saying to a lot of people uh, over the years that uh, the baseball tournament, particularly the, the Omaha segment, is the best run uh, tournament in the NCAA. And I've I've been to a lot of uh, you know NCAA tournament type games. I've been to a couple of Final Fours. I was in New Orleans this year, lucky enough to go down there. Uh, but you know Omaha is just it's really cool to watch. You know they have a really nice downtown area. You can walk around. It's uh, not doesn't cost you a you know mortgage payment to get a ticket into a game, and uh, you know maybe one one comparison is after the Duke North Carolina game this year, uh, which is a great game of course for you know all of us on the Carolina side, uh, getting out took forever. I mean you were like stuck in there forever trying to get out. In Omaha, after every game, you know they they clear the stands and then they bring you back in for the next game and. You know, 30 minutes, they empty out the whole stadium and then, and then uh, you know, uh, you fill it right back up. And, you know, you just walk around downtown and everybody's going to the game. It's a great atmosphere. And, uh, yeah, I think it's it's probably the, the best one in the NCAA. Mac, I appreciate your phone call. Uh, the other thing, too, that I would counter uh, baseball versus the Final Four is I don't care what venue you put the NCAA March Madness Final Four. There's 70,000 bad seats. I mean, there are 70,000 bad. Now, it's cool to be there to say, if I've never been to one, go enjoy the week. I mean, the cities that host it do a phenomenal job, a great job. But as far as witnessing the game, uh, man, I don't care where you go and sit in the Superdome. I don't care where you go and sit where fill in the blank of next year or 10 years down the road. It is a bad seat. You can't see a thing as far as the game goes. You go to Omaha for a baseball game, I mean, it's great. There's not a bad seat in the house. And that, that's another counter for me in my argument that the College World Series is the NCAA's best tournament. How about that, Mr. Brooks? You like I that? I think it's a great it's a great point, Pac. It makes me think of when the, the Twins used to play in the Metrodome, which was a football stadium. Right. It's like, you know, they play Final Four in football stadiums. What's the comp for playing baseball in a football stadium? Oh, yeah, I grew up going to it for the first 10 years of my life. 
Yeah, well, you know, you know what I'm talking about, though. I mean, I, I, I really would love to see one of these days the final. It'll net. This is never going to happen. What I'm getting ready to say. I would love to see though one of these days that the NCAA says, you know what, we're going to go back and play the Final Four in a basketball arena. Can you imagine, regardless of the four teams that make it, what the demand for tickets would be if you actually played the event in a sixteen thousand seat basketball arena? Can you imagine? Because I remember what it was like at the Meadowlands, probably the last time that happened back in the late 90s. Uh, but the, you know, the event is so great. The reason they put it in football stadiums is because 70,000 people are going to pay for a ticket to go watch it. It's all about supply and demand. But that would be incredibly cool. That would be amazing. How about 9,000? Put it at Cameron Indoor. Then you can have... Bathrooms as small as your trip to uh, Italy. Yeah, well, that would be accurate because those the, the bagnos uh, in in Italy were tight. I mean, they were tight. But that I, <laughs> I think that would be cool. I mean, listen, Indianapolis does a yeah. phenomenal job. I think every time I've been to Indy, uh, as far as the Final Four goes, even the college football playoff, which was there this past year, uh, Indianapolis to me is one of the great cities to host NCAA tournament events. It doesn't matter what it is. Uh, but there's all kinds of great. I mean, can you imagine the Final Four at Hinkle Fieldhouse or in downtown at the Fieldhouse? I mean, it, that would be in perfect setting. But the demand for tickets would be outrageous. It'd be incredible. Yeah, the problem is you've just got too many, you know, Brian Iveses and other Carolina fans, or insert your blue blood here. It feels like there's always at least one or two blue bloods in the final four and there are too many fans who want to go well that's okay man i mean the ticket cost would be awesome all right we're gonna throw that question out there for you though your favorite ncaa championship what is it for me it's baseball carter on the other hand i i I sense he's given an approval but it's not his go-to uh wherever you fall on this and we'll talk about it keep in mind the ncaa has nothing to do with the college football playoffs so don't call in and go man football is the best one Football is not part of the equation, all right? Not this conversation. All right, you got the number, 844-SAY-ACCN. When we come back, more of your phone calls, and we're going to get into the College Football Hall of Fame. Guess what? we got some nominees, and there's about 19 former ACC players in some shape or form on the ballot. We'll go through the list. You'll be amazed at some of the names that are not already in the Hall of Fame. We'll get into that coming up next. Packer and Durham right here on the ACC Network. Packer and Durham. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. Packer and Durham. Got Drew Carter filling in for Wes. He's hitting the links today and tomorrow. Life is good. 844-SAY-ACCN is the number. We've posed a question to you. We'll get to the College Football Hall of Fame here momentarily because uh, it is an interesting list from ACC's perspective. We'll get in all that. You'll be shocked at some of the names and go, you mean to tell me they're not in the Hall of Fame? But we'll get into that. But I do want to take another quick call, though, before we set up the little football for you. Uh, I got Tommy in Louisville, Kentucky, this morning joining us. Tommy, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Pack, and good morning, Drew. I'm a little hoarse, if you can't tell. That's all right. I'm a little hoarse from last night's game. <laughs> I bet. That was a rally in the eighth. Now I felt good, right? Got the W, move on, punch well, a ticket for the Super Regional. Yeah. And, and, yes, thank you. And, and uh, Drew was talking about a controversial play that went in, in our favor. 
But the thing is, Michigan could have got the next batter out. And we scored all 11 runs, as you mentioned, with two outs. So you like to say, Pac, you know, just win the game. We won the game. We won the game. That's right. Exactly right. You know what? I don't need a play-by-play. Just give me the final score, right? That's what it's all about. And, again, it – it's so unusual to see you get the key two-out hit. You hear that all the time in Major League Baseball. With this score, 11 runs, all with two outs. Uh, we talked about this yesterday on the show, about the five ACC teams that got eliminated over the weekend. All had leads. All had comfortable leads. you got to be able to close. And yesterday, Michigan had that opportunity up 9-7 in the eighth. And guess what? Louisville said, no, no, no. Sorry. We're going to win this bad boy. And by the way, Cameron Masterman, who went yard in the eighth will join us coming up around 9.30 this morning. So, Tommy, listen, congratulations, man. Get that uh, voice ready to go for the weekend because that's going to be a great series against A&M. <laughs> Thank you. You got it, man. Take care of yourself. It's Tommy in Louisville. All right, let me switch gears. Uh, I'm going to go college football playoff, and uh, we'll get to that later on. But I want to go to the Hall of Fame first, though, Drew. Um, yesterday, the National Football Foundation unveiled the ballot. Now, here is a list of just some of the names that are eligible. And you're going to go through this list and go, excuse me, uh, how are they not in the turn? How are they not in already? I mean, just look at these names. Luke Keekley, LeVon Kirkland, Warwick Dunn, Sebastian Janikowski, Peter Warwick. And the list goes on and on. Ray Lewis, Bryant McKinney, Julius Peppers. Are you kidding me? What are we, what's taking so long? Uh... I mean, what jumps out of off other than the fact that it seems like all of these guys should be in the College Football Hall of Fame? Other than that, what jumps off the page here, Drew? Oh, Pac, initial reaction when I was looking through this list, which our awesome producers put together and sent to us, was I got the pom-poms out for the ACC, ready to put on my ACC football hat and, and rep this conference. I mean, look at some of these names. I'm with you, man. How are these guys not in? I think uh, you're probably going to assume that my first point here, where I'm going to go right away, is up to Central New York and talk about Dwight Freeney and Marvin Harrison. And we'll get there, because obviously both those guys should be in. But my first point, I'm going down to Tallahassee. I'm going to Warwick Dunn, who is my favorite football player ever. Kind of random, but I loved him with the Atlanta Falcons when it was him and Michael Vick in the backfield. And Warwick Dunn, not only a phenomenal college player, by the way, you have to be a first-team All-American to even be eligible here, so all these guys were incredible, but Warwick Dunn, so good in college, so good in the pros in Tampa and Atlanta. I think he averaged like five yards of pop for his NFL career. Great story I heard about uh, Warren Sapp convincing Tampa Bay to take Warwick Dunn over Tiki Barber, and I think conventional wisdom would be, by the way, another ACC guy from UVA, Conventional wisdom would be that Tiki Barber had a better NFL career. No, sir. Give me Warwick Dunn any day of the week. No offense to Tiki Barber, but I got a soft spot for Warwick Dunn. And let me just say this. As if his on-field accomplishments weren't enough, one of the criteria for making the Hall of Fame is his post-football record as a citizen. Quote, must have proven himself worthy as a citizen, carrying the ideals of football forward into his relations with the community. End quote. No one's done that more than Warwick Dunn. He's got a foundation. They help build houses for underprivileged people and he has made that his top priority during his career and certainly after uh, so Warwick Dunn is a role model he was an amazing player that's my guy if I can only vote for one player from that list pack I'm going Warwick Dunn 
Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Um, and like you said, when you go through the criteria, you're like, all right, again, I go back to that original list of just the ACC players, and there's 19 of them, and you're like, well, wait a minute, what am I missing here? And I know it goes into greater detail in terms of, hey, once you get to turn, team gets nominated, he kind of gets pushed by. It's, it's complicated. It's not as simple as, hey, he's a great player, put him in. Uh, but when you go through this list, it's like, wait a minute, Warwick Dunn played so long ago. What are we waiting on on that front? But there are so many guys on this list that you're like, you kind of shake your head. It's cool to see Luke Keekley, by the way, who uh, kind of in recent memory 10 years ago played at BC doing his thing. And again, there is a period of time that you got to wait before you become eligible. In fact, a player becomes eligible for consideration by the foundation's honors court. 10 full seasons after his final year of playing college football. So that's one of the reasons you finally see Luke Keekley's name on there. But he's a no-brainer to all these guys. Just incredible, incredible players. Uh, it's hard to believe they're not in already. And, Pac, I believe Luke Keekley is now a colleague of ours at ESPN. I yeah. saw him on SportsCenter the other day yep. doing some NFL analysis. Yeah, he's a good dude now. Lives right down the street, matter of fact. Uh, by the way, it's not just players either. Uh, there's some former ACC coaches that are also on the list as far as the ballot goes, including one here from the infamous ACC Network, which we'll get to here momentarily. Um, but there are so many interesting angles on this front. Again, I was talking about Mark Richt, who's on this list on the ballot, and we congratulate Coach on that bad boy. Uh, Paul Johnson's on the list. Larry Coker's on the list. Uh, and you can, again, make your case however you want to go on this bad boy. right? But the, all three of those guys... Larry Coker's got hardware. Mark Rick, we know all about. Paul Johnson, incredible career at both the Naval Academy and also at Georgia Tech. So we wish them the best of luck getting into the uh, College Football Hall of Fame. But um, there is one name, though, that I was stunned that was not nominated on the ballot. Stunned. And he has a tie to the Atlantic Coast Conference uh, as far as the current member of the institution. And that is Howard Schnellenberger. How in the world is he not already in the Hall of Fame? The late, great Howard Schnellenberger. I mean, not only was he incredible at Miami, obviously he had a stint at Louisville as well. But to me, that's one of those kind of guys that I don't know how that slips through the crack, but apparently it does. But that, that would be the one that jumps out at me that should be on the list and should be already in the Hall of Fame, and that's Howard Schnellenberger. Totally agree, Pac. I mean, you talk about impact and legacy. That guy's got it at multiple schools. I remember covering the uh, Boca Raton Bowl or the Conference USA Championship when FAU hosted it. Their field is named after Howard Schnellenberger. Yeah. I mean, it's not just in Coral Gables that he made impact. It's somewhere else in South Florida, too, in, in Boca Raton. He had a huge legacy on the game, uh, passed away last year, and, and it doesn't make any sense that he's not in the college football playoff hall of fame we can run through all the criteria but it's hard to believe that he's not in it because not only one of the greatest coaches ever uh, but someone who left a serious legacy everywhere he went all right we've got some social media as far as uh, all of this stuff goes with the ballot again this was announced yesterday and there's all kinds of crazy stats about you know 5.54 million uh, players have played and less than two percent or less than two tenths of a, cent, a percent have gotten in I, i'm not going to bore you with all the numbers 
because we just gave you the 19 uh, ACC guys that are sitting on the outside looking in. Like I said, you can make a case for every single one of them to be in the Hall of Fame and the three coaches. And I just gave you Howard Schnellenberger. So we threw this out to social media yesterday. Here are some of the responses uh, from the fans and listeners and viewers of the program as far as the College Football Hall of Fame goes. And we'll let these bad boys rip. And you can call in and have some fun with us, too, at 844-SAY-ACCN. Um, first things first, uh, here's where I totally agreed with it. Howard Schnellenberger. Uh, Jonathan Malone says, uh, like I said, I, 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 when I saw that he wasn't listed, I'm like, wait a minute. That, does that mean he's already in? No. And I'm like, well, how is that physically possible? But, again, I'm not on the board. I, I don't have a vote. I just uh, – have a, a, a platform to give you my opinion on that boy, bad boy. So, nevertheless, Howard Schnellenberger should be in there. Uh, Tidal Wave says, uh, how about Warwick, Dunn, Janikowski? You going to put a kicker in there? Drew, you good with that? Sebastian Janikowski? 100%. 100%, Pat. If you're the best at your position or most memorable, you belong in the College Football Hall of Fame. Sebastian Janikowski, man. I mean, when he was at FSU, he was a first-round pick by the Raiders. That's right. This dude, he belongs in the College Football Hall of Fame. I remember when Lane Kiffin trotted him out there for a 76-yard field goal attempt, and it wasn't the craziest thing that Lane Kiffin's ever done. Well, that dude now, he'd come in, because I remember when he played at Florida State, and he just – like a 45-yarder would be like uh, meeting another Panini, right? I mean, it, it was like well, – come on, man, give me – get. Give me a test here. I mean, he'd just do that with his eyes closed. He was great. Uh, Johnny, uh, I think it's Johnny Bahama. Is that right? Uh, he writes in, William the Refrigerator Perry. And uh, hopefully Fridge is feeling good. So, in fact, I bumped into Michael Dean Perry a couple weeks ago before I left to uh, go to Italy. And uh, he said, oh, Fridge is hanging in there doing his thing. But, oh, William the Refrigerator Perry, one of the part of the great defensive line of Clemson's incredible teams of the early 80s, would be a great one to put in there, too. We'll continue to go through a list of who you think should be in the College Football Hall of Fame. Any of the 19 ballot uh, nominees, if you will, players, you can go there. The three coaches, again, Mark Rick from ACC Network, Paul Johnson, Larry Coker, they're on that list, too. We'll take phone calls of your favorite NCAA tournament as well. I've got a lean towards baseball. Drew's going a little lean towards March Madness. We'll go there, too. we got a ton of topics to get into, more guests to get into. You know the number, 844 844- Say ACCN. I got Drew Carter filling in for West Durham. It's Packer and Durham right here on ACC Network. The Packer and Durham Podcast. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Packer and Durham on a Tuesday. 844-SAY-ACCN is the number for the program. We'll get back to more baseball. We've got all kinds of football news to get into. Ballots out. we got guests coming up, including the world champion cheese finder. We're going to get into all that stuff coming up in uh, hour number two. It's amazing. Uh, college football playoff making some news. Drew, curious to get your take on this. Um, we have the uh, board of managers, which is really the, the true movers and shakers, uh, making comments uh, regarding, hey, hopefully we can get something in place, some concept uh, between now and next summer as far as future expansion of the college football playoff. I'm not exactly sure why it should take uh, a full year to sit around and go, hey, guys, here's an idea. Right Now, I know that the alliance gave the Heisman pose, and that would be the ACC 
the Big Ten and the Pac-12 to expansion of the college football playoff. But I think all of this is inevitable. We're, we're going to see the playoff expand. Uh, the question to me is going to be how many TV partners. Are we going to have one or are we going to have multiple? And how many people are going to write a huge check to be a part of it? To me, that's what all of this is about. I think you're right, Pat, because you start thinking about if 12 teams make it, which is the number we've been hearing now for a couple of years, how many games is that? Who's going to air them? Will it all be the same? If you think about playoffs of that size, with the exception of, of March Madness, really, I'm, I'm thinking about NBA and NHL playoffs. You have multiple TV partners, and that kind of seems like the comp here because college football, to me, feels more like a pro playoff than – the NCAA baseball tournament or softball tournament or hoops tournament. Uh, so with all those games, it, it makes you wonder if they're going to bring in another TV partner. But, I mean, you're right, man. Why are we going to wait a year? It, the college football playoff is the most bureaucratic thing I've ever seen in my life. Uh, that committee to think about expansion, which was four people, including Jack Swarbrick and Greg Sankey, they were apparently working on that proposal for two years I think, if I remember correctly, two years could have come up with that in, in two seconds. Sure, 12 teams. Now, I understand there's a lot of you know moving parts here, like we said, with the TV partners and host sites and uh, potential AQs for conference champs. But let's get a move on. If the proposal came out a year ago or more after two years of being in the microwave for, for these guys coming up with it, what are we waiting for? It feels like it's long past time for the playoff to expand, right, Pac? Well, I think the working group uh, who started working on that right after uh, Clemson destroyed Alabama, you know, they came up, I think, with 63 different proposals. So that is going to take time. I, I understand laying the foundation and trying to figure out, hey, what direction could this potentially go in? we got to look under literally every rock. That would take some time. Uh, I'll go back and say this again, even though I'll never be able to prove it. I thought the leakage of the Oklahoma-Texas news to the SEC, uh, I thought that was what really stopped the college football playoff expansion. I I thought that that thing could have been held tight-lipped, under wraps. I think all of this would have been rubber-stamped in Chicago last last September. Uh, But when that story broke last year during the SEC media day, I think there were other movers and shakers, including what became the alliance, the ACC, the Big Ten, in the Pac-12 that just went, time out, hold on, stop, pump the brakes. And that's exactly what happened. Those were the three that basically said no to moving forward. Eventually, all of this is going to get approved. There's just too much money on the table. And I do think, given where the world is, as far as television negotiations, what does streaming turn into? Uh, Is it a factor down the road as far as your television partners go? Uh, what happens with Fox? What happens with CBS? Uh, is Amazon going to be involved? Uh, we know about it. Well, or in the company that we work for with ESPN, they want to be a part of it. I, I think all of this comes into play that at the end of the day, whether the expansion goes from four to eight or to 12 or who knows, maybe 16. I don't know what the number is going to be. Um, I do think that that number, whatever it is, circle it. You're going to have multiple television partners that go, hey, we want to be a part of what this now becomes of the new college football landscape as far as the playoff goes. And when you have more media partners, guess what happens? More money's generated. And I think that's exactly what's going to happen. Can they come up with a concept between now 
in next summer? Sure they can. They could probably come up with that in the next five minutes. But I think the timing issue of the negotiations and what television looks like in that landscape is going to be the really the key piece of the puzzle moving forward. And I've heard uh, a bunch of folks in the media screaming about, hey, the ACC did this or the Big Ten did this. Or the Hey, you got to take a step back and understand how business works. And could they have gotten a deal done this past year? Probably. But I think in the big picture, there's more money at stake a couple years down the road, especially after the OU Texas thing becomes resolved and when they officially do, join the SEC, what that time period and that frame looks like. I think at some point in time, though, you're going to see multiple television partners putting a ridiculous sum of money on the table for everybody else to divvy up, whether this playoff goes to 4 to 8, 4 to 12, whatever the number may be. That's what I think is going to happen. Well, yeah, by not agreeing to that proposal pack, they apparently gave up $460 million in TV revenue, not expanding the playoff for these last two years, 2024 and 25. But you're right, man. It's a short-term loss, if you can call it a loss with how much money the playoff already makes, for a long-term gain. But then the, the question is begged, what's the right number? Uh, it doesn't seem like anyone can agree here. It, it seems like 12, like you said, after 63 different proposals was the number that that working group settled on. Uh, but is 12 right? Is 8 right? 8 would make sense to me because you got five AQs out of the Power Five, a group of five team, and then two wild cards. That seems to make sense. Uh, 12, we talked about the Champions League model when you were in Italy. Uh, Wes and I talked about the Champions League model potentially, which would be maybe 12 teams and two from each conference like they do in the Premier League. The top four make it to the Champions League. Uh, we want to go even bigger, make even more TV money, give more teams a chance, go 16 or 20. Uh, I don't know. Where do you stand on that? What do you think the right number is? You know, uh, before uh, the working group, which you mentioned Greg Sankey and Jack Swerbrick were a part of that, and Bob Bowlesby and Craig Thompson, uh, I always thought eight was the right number. And last summer, when all of a sudden it got leaked that 12 was going to be the magic number, I, I was skeptical at first. And then the more I saw what they laid out, I liked it. I, I kind of liked it. I was like, that's kind of cool. The only thing I didn't care for was I always wanted more games on college campuses. I think that you can put a, a bonus on the regular season as the hook, that you want to be one of the teams that gets a chance to host a college football playoff game. And to me, that is the ultimate hook. That's why every Saturday does matter. You do need to win your games because you want to be one of those teams that, hey, if you're good enough to make to the college football playoff, I'm going to host a game in front of my home crowd. So – I was cool with 12, even though I wanted another round of games on college campuses, but I get the whole relationship with bowls and those partnerships, and you got to incorporate them in some shape or form. Again, it's a delicate balance. There's a lot of layers to this. But I was set at 8, but I was sold on 12. So that's kind of how I feel with that. And if it goes any larger than that, then obviously this becomes an incredible money grab. But I do think eventually, if you want the answer to a question, just find the money trail, and you will get the answer to your question. But I think this is all about contract negotiations with television, and I think that college football, where we're going, I think eventually we're going to have 40 to 50, 55, 60 teams that are really playing big boy football. And I do think the playoff will expand to at least 8 to 12. I think that's a given. And I think they'll have all this in place by next summer. I do. I don't think there's any reason in the world why uh, really smart people, and we got a bunch of them, can't get together in a room and figure out by next summer what the format should be. I think that'll happen. 
our man Jack Swarbrick said he thought it was inevitable that there'd be a change of the guard and the have separating from the have nots. And like you said, whatever that number is, whether it's 40 or 60 or whatever the number of teams is, they go from FBS maybe to a different type of division where they're the only teams that uh, can compete in the college football playoff. And maybe that pool is trimmed in half or even more than the current FBS is. But I'm with you, man. I think 12 is good. And that hosting is such a nice carrot. Part of the reason why I think four is good right now is it makes that selection show so fun. It's so exclusive. You've got so many teams who feel like they have a legitimate case that get left out. Well, we can just shift that arguing from top four who's in to top four who's hosting. And you're always going to have people who are upset that their team got left off no matter where the cut line is. So if you add hosting, then you add just more conversation. Look at Notre Dame baseball this year. We got a bunch of you know, minutes and hours talking about Notre Dame not hosting a regional when they should have. They still got into the big dance and they're still moving on to a super regional. Uh, but it's just more fun when you have more stuff to talk about and more stuff to argue about. That's one of the reasons we love sports. So if you add hosting in there, not only do you get the great environments, which is what college football is known for, uh, not only do you get another incentive for the regular season, you get another, another thing for us to talk about. Uh, which is fun, and for us to argue about it, and for people to call in at 844-SAY-ACCN and say, hey, why isn't my team hosting a playoff game this year? Totally agree. The only thing I would disagree with Jack Swarbrick, and again, he's one of the smart guys, is his time period was in 2035. You may see all this. It may be on a faster track than that. Uh, again, the crazy world that we're living in right now with college athletics, we'll see how that plays out. But I expect the college football playoff uh, group to figure it out by next summer. I do. Uh, quick break. We come back, hour one into books, hour two. We'll take more of your phone calls at 844-SAY-ACCN. And we're going to give you a little hoop news, too. And we're going to cover it all, man. That's what we do on this show. Basketball, the ACC prime for a big 22-23. And we'll explain why when we return. It's Packer and Durham. Drew Carter, filling in for West. You guys right here on ACC Network. Packer and Durham.